Hey, it's your favorite super freak, Casey Coop, and you're listening to Casey's Freak Show podcast, where I drag the conversations I enjoy in my stripper, recovering addict, comedian, gutter life out to the light. For without the darkness, what is the light? And if that light is a fluorescently lit cubicles, I'd rather just glow in the dark. Today, I'm chatting with a close buddy of mine, Craig Tyler, aka Liquid Giraffe. He DJs at my bikini bar and can turn a few people into a party. When the 8 p.m. morning hour of the strip club strikes, we have therapy sessions over coffee, incense, and Amy Winehouse. Craig is a burner and liquid drum and bass DJ who performs at festivals and after hours all over L.A. You might be familiar with him from his days in the band Crazy Town of Butterfly fame. Craig exemplifies the infectious type of freedom that comes with doing the art you love. In the atypical strip club music he spins, he sets a special kind of vibe that is best described by a favorite quote of Craig and I's from the movie Planet Terror. The go-go dance is a happy dance. Hi, Bill. Hi, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you call me Casey in the club and you call me Dakota outside. Yeah. You get to, like, you get to, un- like, bring me out of the closet wherever we are. You're allowed to. Yeah, Dakota's your playa name. Ooh, I've never been to Burning Man. Do you have a playa name? Should I go? Uh, that's up to you, yeah. You said you might not go this year, but you've been going forever. Yeah, the, you know, I think, I think pretty much everybody should experience it, but so long as it continues to be, you know, what I believe is, like, what it's all about. And what is that? Uh, you know, just like a participant-driven festival where, Mm -hmm. like, everybody there is basically a performer. And everybody's mm-hmm. contributing to the environment. And, like, it's like it says it on the ticket. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're a participant. You're not a patron. And yeah. so long as that, you know, that intention is continuing to resonate with the 70,000 people that are there, wow. well, that's an interesting party. Yeah, because we were just talking about how, like, not only Coachella is played out, it's not really a festival anymore, but Lightning in a Bottle even, which was, like, I feel like the follow-up, the, the spill-off from Coachella went over to Lightning in a Bottle, which was cooler, but now it's just, it like, from what I can tell on social media, it doesn't seem like it's that. But, like, on, on the interesting side of that, like, I met a bunch of people that went to Lightning in a Bottle this year for the first time, and they had a transformative experience. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But then I have a lot of other friends that worked the event, and it was hard and wonderful at the same time. Which is more like what Burning Man becomes the longer you go. Yeah, you said like every year you guys plan like year round, like have a big truck of produce that you bring because that's your contribution. It's like there's a lot of planning in that. Yeah, I I mean, there's, you know, and the the cool thing about the way things get done, I mean, obviously there's always like some degree of hierarchy, but how things really get accomplished at Burning Man is generally like, at least in the projects I've been involved in, is like a horizontal democracy. And, like, that's where, like, you know, everybody's ideas are valid. And, obviously, someone has to... There's some level Mm -hmm. of coordination. Like, the ideal of what... Like, what would be the ideal of what we kind of want our political atmosphere to be in the real world sort of plays out at Burning Man. Yeah, and and that's a struggle, you know what I mean? Because you have a bunch of people that are used to running a lot of things in the real world. And now having capitalistic values and, like... But beyond that, but like, you know, now we're doing things as a true collective and it's really, I mean, that's why I like the Saturday at Burning Man before Gates when you basically need to finish like building all your infrastructure because it's got to get done because Gates wow. are going to open on Sunday. That's, that's always the day that I say like all the alphas are forced to play nice with each other. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. I don't... If anyone ever gets too bossy, then the other bosses are just like, hey, Captain Ply, calm the fuck down. You, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't want to be talked you're, to that way. You're put in check with, like, your ego play. But, yeah, by all your own friends that are also bosses in their own right and the different things that they do. Yeah, you were saying that you go with people, like, every person is, like, as a player in the real world, too. Like, is involved in something really big and artistic. You've told me about your crew before. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you, you know, you're forced to get together and it's sort of like, I mean, you know, it's like, it's not... It, it's not really team building, but it's, I think it's really good for you in the outside world to be able to learn how to do things with a group of, like, fantastic people and do it horizontally. That's why I always wanted to go into Burning Man. Like, I've always wanted to go. I just haven't gone through with it. But, like, I just know so many people that are cynical about it and just poke fun at it who've never been. But, like, I think it sounds ideal. Like, that's the kind of life I want to live. It's just, like, amongst people and we're giving of ourselves. It's something, like, I've always noticed about you. You're constantly, like, 
giving. Like, even at work, you're, like, giving to the party atmosphere when, like, sometimes it can be an uphill battle. Well, it, but it's also like, you know, like the idea of cacophony is like participate all the time, have an impact on your environment all the time, create things that like gets a reaction out of people. Mm -hmm. And that like, you know, also like you go to Burning Man and you really, you become about like what you believe this intention's all about and then you try to turn it into your life and then you end up like burning year round. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know you always have like these after hour parties and like park parties and festivals and all these things with all these other burners like... Do you guys get to see each other often throughout the year? I mean, from my individual camp, not necessarily because, like, we're all over the world. Like, you, you know, the queen of the camp, princess of the camp, when she's being nice, uh, <laughs> she, uh, you know, she's been living in Nicaragua, and mm -hmm. she traveled all around uh, the world for, like, a year and a half. And then we have another person in our corps that lives in Alaska and teaches ski school up there, and he mm -hmm. was, like, a former Olympian. And so wow. we're like, Jeez. it's like secret superhero camp. Yeah, like, yeah. No one knew I was in Crazy Town besides the people that already knew me from Off Playa for like three years, cool. and they were like, "What?" And it's just like it doesn't matter. You all have your stories and your like backgrounds. Yeah, how was that? I feel like you're always telling me about the coolest stories. Like, there's nothing I love more than when you tell me about knowing Chloe Sevigny back when you guys were kids in New York, running around the streets. I worship her. And she would come out solo all the time. When she was like famous, sixteen. Jeez, what a what a wild child. I like adore her. She just seems like the coolest girl in the world to me. <laughs> I don't understand how it, like I haven't run into her. I like out here like since she's become famous at all from having a, from seeing her all the time back in the day in like the New York we grew up in. But back in the day, yeah, she was like completely fantastically cool and present and funny. What was New York like back in the 90s like when you were just running the streets? Oh, it's like a really good burner party. Like, you had all these different scenes, but like it wasn't, uh, the great parties weren't like monochromatic at all. Like if the best party going on in New York was like, you know, the gay night at the Roxy and the roller mm -hmm. disco, mm -hmm. then all the cool people from all the different scenes went there. Yeah, last night it was um, 70s night at the club. We were talking about how like, there was just, like, such a freedom at that time to be a drag queen and to be out. And, like you said, the gay party, like, everybody went to. Like, do you think it was, like, more open back then in a way? I think that, like, that New York that, uh, you know, we grew up in was, like, in a really, really free place. You know, obviously it's New York, so there's a certain amount of entitlement that's buying, giving up, like, allowing us to be there and do it. But beyond that, like, the... When you were inside of these clubs, like, you know, like... Limelight and the Tunnel and Mars and all this shit. Like, unless you were acting like a complete asshole, you could pretty much get away with anything. Wow. It was totally dude. free. There were certainly no cops. See, that's what I felt when I first discovered festivals like six, seven years ago. And that was Coachella like back in like 2011 or like a lot of little raves, little festivals. It was like I finally felt free. Like, it was finally like I can dress as out there as I want. Like, and it has changed, and I've changed since then, but, like, it holds a special place in my heart, festivals, and, like, the raver community, and the burner community, like, I finally felt free, you know, and I feel that at the club, too, like, I feel like that doesn't exist much anymore, there's a lot of rules, regulations, even festivals now, there's, like, you can't even bring in glow sticks to half of them, like, you can't... Like, where can where do we go to be free these days? But if I look back on, like, the New York I grew up in, like, the first band I was in that put out a record was a band called Virus 23. And that's my friend who lives two doors down. I've known him since he was 16. And Whoa, crazy. they're both two of the, three of the four people from that band have gone to Burning Man for over 10 years. So, like, you continue to adapt to find the places where you can... You know, be yourself as you want, as you want to I think be. that's, like, a, a magnetism, too. Like, if you're, I feel like you're just such a free, free spirit to me. Like, all of your life and all your art, like, and as you've, like, gone through this life, you just find your new nook where, like, that freedom can thrive and exist. Yeah, you've, yeah, ne I mean, you've never been, like, a cubicle lifestyle dude. No, but beyond that, I've never even, in, like, you know, I've been myself the entire time, but, like, yeah, I can the, you, you know, I've always... It's never been about, like, one project or one scene. You, you know what I mean? Like, the... Because just like what you're saying about New York, even though we might have been in, like, cyberpunk industrial scene, but that wasn't mm -hmm. everything. Like, you, you know, we... It wasn't totally insular? We would go to hardcore shows. We would go to, you know, 
techno shows, we'd go to raves, wow. like we'd go to all this different stuff because that was the fun place to go. You, you know what I mean? Like, dude, a rave in the '90s is still my dream. That's still where I want to be. I don't think it's that far off of like the raves that we do now. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's not as many people, like generally. But I mean, that's not even entirely true. Oh, and it, I mean, if I think of the raves that we went to in New York. Like in the 90s where it literally was thousands of people. Wow. And that, you, you know, like that, I don't, that would be a lot harder to get away with now. Uh, you, you know, but you, there are warehouse parties going on that have, you know, between 600 and 1,000 people that, and they're getting away with it. Jeez. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of shit gets closed down, but the after hour parties I used to go to in LA, and I know you DJ some of them, like, you have to know somebody who knows somebody, and they have a password, and they have to text the location, and it's kind of wild. It's kind of like a trip to go to after hours sometimes. Well, I, I love the treasure hunt part of it. I know! You know I, mean? I know! Like, it's so and, cool! And with the festivals, too, you know, that well, like, there's all these, there's so much space out here that's the coolest thing about Los Angeles, and then, like, the whole Mojave Desert, like, I'm just like... We're all playing it, God knows where. And yeah, you were, were like, trying to text me there. directions to one in the middle of the desert, and I was like, "Is this? An, can I put an address in my Google Maps?" You're like, "No, no, 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 absolutely not." You list ten things, and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Right? Like, how do I get to the middle of the Mojave and meet you there? Like, and then we'll sit there with like a car full of people, and we're driving out to it, and we're like, <laughs> and then someone's like, oh, "I think I've been to this spot before, but you don't really know." And then like, you know, you end up and you're like, "This is the final road," and I'm like, "Nope, I've never been here before," and it's just like, "Yay." So it's like a treasure And there's hunt, other and there's, people there. Yeah, yeah, it's And you're fun. like checking out like, you know, some, and then I see people all the time. They're like going out to God knows where to check out this new spot where we might be able to like throw parties. It's just like, mm -hmm. you're just looking for those places where you can like be free and feel safe and just, you Absolutely. know, do the things we want to do. I feel like you add that to the club we work at. Like I'll work with another DJ on a different night when you're not working and like they'll play some cool top 40 stuff. No hate on that. Like I enjoy yeah. some top 40 but then I work with you and you like spin some of like, it's just like your own cuts or like you're like, it's just like such a like diverse mix of music that like there is a freedom when you work and like, it's really nice. Cause like, well, I always feel free at the club and I love <coughs> dancing and I love that you and I only work three days of the week. Like we sort of like wedge that into our schedules to keep the money flowing, you know? And like, it's not like our whole being either. It's not my whole life. No, and I wouldn't, like, that wouldn't make me happy. I, like, I could be, you know, just printing zeros if that's, if if it was like that. But if mm -hmm. that's all I did, I, that wouldn't bring me happiness. You, you know what I mean? No, but it's a fun yeah. little chunk. But yeah, no, as in, like, you know, like, we've talked about that, you know, it's like, like, it was a backtrack. It's not like it's an inside joke, but like, you know, having five hustles and, and caring about those mm -hmm. five hustles. And mm -hmm. sometimes three of those hustles aren't, make, aren't making you any money, but you mm -hmm. still care about them. So you're still doing them and you're actively mm -hmm. pursuing them. And then sometimes all five of them are popping off at once, but yeah. or two of them just go bananas. But that yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing the other. No, because I still want to, I still want to feel whole. Like, I think I was mentioning this last night at work. Like, when I, I can veer into cozy relationship um, land, like, pretty quick sometimes when I'm in, like, dating somebody. Like, all of a sudden, I'm spending all my time with them. But then I feel hollow inside. And it's not the dude I'm with. It's just that I'm not feeding all these parts of me. The, like, funny comedian Casey part, you know? The entrepreneurial gotta, like, do my project part. The, like, sexual, like, I want to do photo shoots and be nude and dance on boners part. Like, I need, I need, like, Dakota in there. I need Casey. I need Casey Coop. I need my real last name, Casey Coopenbender, in there. I have to be feeding all the parts of Casey. Yeah. Or I'm just, like, a depressed bitch. Like, I can't just be, like, doing one thing. I mean, that's, that's, that to me is just a, a great definition of the modern world. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's the opposite of, like, you know, your whole... 50s ideal of like meet someone be with them forever figure out what you like to do and or like what can, and, and, just, and, and do it forever and make 2.5 kids and you know it's just that's like, what ma that's how I get like those like um <clears throat> alcoholic housewives back in the 50s who just like quietly drink all day that's all I would do if I was one of them like I'd be just killing myself slowly I'd be a straight up alcoholic yeah, yeah. Right now, we, we, <laughs> if we, it, I mean, you want to do it in 2017, you just pop pills all the time. Yeah. You don't even have to Amen. drink. Amen. Amen. Uh, totally. You, and, totally. And, and, you know, like, I know plenty of women like that. You know Yeah, what I mean? and that's like, a house uh, on the hill, too. Like, a lot of a lot of people I know are living the house on the hill I life. I know plenty of men like that, too. That goes either way. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, yeah. No hate on women. It's just, like, I see the women with all the designer shit, and I'm envious of that. But they are popping pills all day, and they are numbed all day, and all the things aren't fulfilling them, you know? Yeah, and it's like, you know, we were out, 
We were out in like, uh, where the hell were we? We were out in like Joshua Tree at a festival called Ignite that's amazing. And, oh yeah, uh, that was with all the fire spinners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, my friend, uh, Joel, who's a composer, you, you know, is like, you know, one of like the core uh, people that make it happen. And it was like hurricane force winds and it's completely insane. And like, you know, we're all like running around, like, you know, they're pulling down structures and, Jeez. and he is just like, and he turned to me and he was just like, why do we do this? And I was just <laughs> like, I was like, cause seriously, he's got a house in the hills. He could just chill. He doesn't, you know, I was like, he was like, why do we do this? And I was just like, <laughs> cause making art is the only thing that keeps me alive. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's it. Like, yeah. And when I start to like neglect artistic part of me out of fear, that's why a lot of my friends who are, who have different forms of art, um, start to neglect their type of art is out of fear of failure, fear of attempting, fear of trying that you won't be good enough. Like if I start to neglect my art out of fear, like I'm, I'm punishing myself. I feel hollow. Like if I'm just going to work, like dancing at the club, going home, sleeping in all day. We also talked about this. It takes a lot of physical and mental energy to be in such a loud party atmosphere. And for me to dance and like hustle dudes, like I'm like, oh, I, sh I could easily justify it by like, I need to sleep in for 10 hours every day. But when I do that, when I oversleep and I just go to work and I just like, like let myself physically rest a little too much, like I pay for it in like my brain becoming like stagnant. Like I don't fucking feel good. You know, yeah. I think that's anybody. If you're just like going through the cycle of like work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, you're just like, a, like I have to try to like I have to fail. Like I have to be failing at my art all the time. I even feel good doing that. I feel better failing at my art than I do just like doing like the safe thing. It makes me think more when I fail at art. Yeah, and I'm happier when my brain is like thinking more when it's like being nourished. Um. Except I've been, like, I, I think we were talking about this, too, recently. I've been, like, not reading news articles lately. And it's, like, I feel, like, kind of bad. Like, I'm, like, out of the loop with, like, a lot of what's going on with our president. Um, but I also, like, if I'm too involved in it, I get so depressed that I just can't even get out of bed, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, part of it is, you know, I think it's by design. I think we talked about this before. It's just, like you know, when they create resistance fatigue and, mm. you know, and then people are just like, in order for you to stay sane, you being everybody, that's mm -hmm. you, I'm in that you, uh, that you can't pay attention to all these things. There's like, you know, there's too many things to try to like, you know, fight against at the same time. But yeah. so much of it is just like bluster. You, you know what I mean? Like there's just all these things to just get a reaction to make people stop paying attention or, mm. or, uh, exhaust you know, them, just exhaust yeah, just, them, just, 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 just exhaust them. Complete, like ridiculous, obscenity. And then, um, and then, you know, it's unfortunate that people end up channeling their energy into, you, you know, filter bubbles like Facebook where you're, right. you're just talking to people who already think the way you're you right. do. And I'm guilty you're of that. Not, like, you know, and this is like real energy that you could use to like call a congressman write letters, things that actually have real value, whereas just ranting to your friends, like, that has value, it's cathartic. You know what, though? In that same vein, like, I've, I am guilty of ranting and making my bubble because I block a lot of people when they start saying rude things to me on social media. But at the same time, what I've found is, like, there's so much, like, resistance in just, like, being yourself and doing your art if you're, like, a free person. Like, and I consider myself to be a pretty free person. Like, so me existing, me defending my whoredom, me just, like, glowing to the world as, like, who I am and a stripper and a thinker and an intellectual, like, I feel like that's resistance. I think just being ourselves. If you find freedom, you can free solely unlock people around you. Well, yeah, that goes all the way back to cacophony. Like, you're leading your life in a cacophonous manner. Like, you're doing all these things that are having an impact on the people around you. Your own existence is having an impact on, like, you know, your art. You, you know what I mean? Like, our own, just how we're living our lives. Mm -hmm. And that does have an impact, mm -hmm. and it is a positive impact. You know, I think of, like, the people that I grew up with that work on Wall Street and make tons of money. Yeah. And they still pay attention to what I'm doing because mm -hmm. it, like, you know, and, and they encourage it and they admire it. That's it, sort of how I feel because I have a lot of Facebook friends. I'm from like a small, very religious, very conservative town in Oregon. And a lot of people I grew up with are Republican. They're conservative. I'm sorry to say they're not well-educated. And 
my jokes I write on Facebook every day, like a lot of them have political undertones. And it's like I'm feeding people these little like nuggets of like, I guess, like progressive thought, candy coating it in a joke. And I feel like I'm making a change that way. I've had people from my hometown like tell me like, wow, you really changed my views on a lot of things. And I do that through candy coating it with a joke. Like, it's cool that you have the Wall Street people back on the, on the East Coast reading and watching you. I feel like for me, it's like that small Oregon town, like, background. They're like looking at me like, okay, she's yeah. a little out there, but she's on to something. And you're just like changing opinions just by being. But yeah, that, that's being a participant. You know what I mean? Is but like as a patron, it's just. I getting, like that. I like the participant. Like like a patron, term. you're just getting on the hamster wheel and just going around in circles. And it's like, what's what's the point of that? I mean, I guess you're still going around in circles on the hamster wheel, but that just clearly <laughs> doesn't sound like an interesting existence for either of us. And it's a struggle to do things this way sometimes, but you know, it's totally worth it. I like that. I really like the concept of being a participant because, like, there's this phrase I often hear, um, which is like. Instead of being, because I'm like an alpha, like we talked about, and a leader, and I like to control situations, it's like just trying to be a worker amongst workers, and that like helps me, that helps like shrink my ego that wants to just like be self-righteous and control people and make them do as I please, but like the idea of being a worker amongst workers or participant is so new to me. I'm like starting to try to practice that. It's, It's very difficult. But it's also like, it's really fun, like, you know, like a friend of mine was like, Oh, I need help putting together the shade structure for, uh, it was like the Boogaloo Art Carter Music Festival. It's another oh, fantastic yeah. festival. Cool. And, uh, and he was just trying to design it out of all the pieces of fabric that he had and whatever. And I was just like, I was going to go for a bike ride that day. I was like, I'll bike ride down to your warehouse. So and, cool. But yes. like, like if he needed ideas, I had ideas. Yeah. But if all he needed me to do was to tie strings around these little balls and make this thing work, then... Let me do this until my fingers yes. fall off. You, you and that's I mean? exactly what service is. And, like, I feel like we've lost that in, like, the modern era of, of like, this, like, you know, we veered away from church, which is fine, which is great. I don't go to church. But there are concepts of giving and service that we've, like, kind of forgotten about. And I think, like, that's, like, that's the thing that's made me a happier human because I'm a selfish bitch. Like, the, I love the idea of service. Like, I wish that could be more incorporated into, like, I guess the modern society without like a religious like background for but it. That's more like the Burning Man thing where we're talking about a horizontal democracy. If somebody wants what to is be a horizontal like, democracy? Horizontal democracy would be there isn't like one person making decisions. The collective is making decisions. The original goal of the way they were handling the Occupy uh, Wall Street thing yes. was like you, you know like the people's the, you know the people's microphone or whatever it was called, and basically. It was a vote. Everything was a vote. Everything was being, it was all done through the collective. And so, you know, it's not like, you know, where you have these designated leaders. Okay. You know, it's working from a a totally horizontal point from all the people involved without this hierarchy of like, this is our president, this is our congressman, this is our... And so, but within a horizontal democracy, if somebody goes, okay, I want to go build this shade structure... And I need four bodies to do it. Cool. Well, then you're going to tell us how to build the shade structure, especially if you already know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to do what it takes to get it done. And if we have an idea of how to do it better on the way, then we'll talk about it. But it's to understand, like, so you know, cool. the, you know, if somebody wants to be a team lead on something, cool. How many people do you need? And then tell me what you need me to do. And then if I have ideas or anybody here has ideas, then we'll work on it. But, you know, Absolutely. like, it's sort of like the idea is like, yes, there is a leader of the pack when it comes to wolves, but they don't go drink water because the leader gets thirsty. It's when 51% of the wolves start kind of leaning over towards where the water source is because they're just like... I see you I see you running um, the club, though. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know you don't run the club, but when you're... I don't DJing, run the club at all, if anyone's listening to this. No, not at all. <laughs> not so, he doesn't at all. But I mean, when because he has to organize the girls going on stage. The girls are often scattered, doing their own thing. Maybe I think I run the smoking. show. Yeah, run the show. We'll yeah. say that. Be- yeah. Better phrasing. Yeah. Um, I see you lead, um, lead the same way. You're never demanding of the girls. Like, you're always, like, coercive in, like, a very, like, compassionate way. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters in the club, you know? You work with a lot of personalities. And you always do it so effortlessly. With these girls and our personalities and our egos. And, like, I feel like, and you call us your cats. Like, the meows. Like, 
you know because it's hurting cats yeah hurting cats like and we're and we're like we're catty little monsters sometimes like we want to not go on stage because there's not money on stage we're tired you know we want to just sit down or like there's just like so much personality. Sometimes we joke that it's the so and so show. Say say her stripper name is is Candy. You know, it's it's the Candy show today. Whoever is like feeling a little a little like you know, like it's their own thing. Like I feel like you're always so effortless and like hurting the cats. Because I am genuinely working towards the good of the show at the at all times. And so Yeah, it shows. Uh, yeah. It and shows. Like, you know, Though, though, you know, I could have my favorites in, in the club personally, that's not the way I run said show. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, it requires all the cats for us to do this show mm-hmm. and make everyone understand, like, what it's all about. We're going to open. It's going to be slow. And then suddenly, it's not going to be. It'll pop off. And, um, and we have to be prepared know, at all times for it to pop off. And, and, like, you know, just, and that's, like, you know, sort of matching the energy to where it's going so that everybody, you know... Like, you know, so people aren't dead come one o'clock. You know what I mean? And just like, because yeah. that's the, the the reason why is I'm working for the good of the show, understanding the pacing of the show and understanding that we're going to be there until 2.30. It's so different than the other DJs I've worked with because they're always, well, they're typically just like playing the song they want to play, just calling up the name in order, like not acknowledging the girl, not having a connection with the girl. I feel like you're always, like, acknowledging and connecting with the dancers. Like, they're just completely unaware of the vibe in the club. It's just, like, it's so different working with you, you know? I feel like you and I, like, keep each other motivated in the lull of the dead hours. I I mean, I I think that's, you know, I think that works for the quality of the show. You you know what I mean? If everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, feels somewhat special and feels like they're a part of it, and actually an equal part of it, you know, that's where, like, not playing favorites in the club is really important. You you know, like, Mm -hmm. that... The and like, if you want to get more attention from me, then you know, put on a better show, take some pole classes, get after it, like you know, because that's all I really yeah. want. That's keeping the momentum of the club up. Yeah, like, no matter who's in there at that time. Because the show is really all I'm working for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is ultimately, you know, because it for... keeps people sticking around in the club when the energy's hyped like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot more of a science, and I think the average. Uh, the normie, the non-sex industry person would think. Like, it's a science, you know? Or if it's, like, a dead energy in there, if there's, like, a lot of cattiness between the girls working, the customers feel it, you know? I often have customers be like, it's so cool, you girls love each other, you're spanking each other's ass, like, cheering each other on. The customers stick around in the club because we love each other. Like, I've genuinely seen it work in, in real time. Like, if we're putting out good vibes in the club... There is like, you know, uh, there's no science to back this up, but I don't think that stops it from being real. If we're putting out good vibes inside the club, even though there's no windows or anything, yeah. and you're driving by, yeah. somehow or another you get a sense something makes you look to the right. Something makes you think, hmm, let's stop by. Because there's like something there's that happened. There's a certain magnetism to what's going on. I believe so that. So like you fully. know, I'm trying to, and it's like that sounds like some like hippy dippy bullshit, but I, I don't think it is. I don't like think you know it what either. I mean? Yeah, and and uh, that 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 makes people want to come in, and like it's the, the same thing as when I feel like I always tell you about when I go into work um, that day. I'm having like a lot of inner peace and serenity. I'm in gratitude. I've rested myself. I've prepared myself. Just by being happy inside, like, people come up to me. People hand me 20s. People ask me for laughing. I don't go to them. I don't hustle them. I don't exhaust my fake laughs on them. Like, the money comes to me in that place. And that's why I believe in magnetism. It's clear to me every single time I work, you yeah, know? no doubt. Um, so tell me about being a liquid drum and bass DJ, and you do a lot of festivals, and you perform all the time. Well, I mean, it's just like, you know, in the progression of, like, all these different, you know, it's like, I love music, like, first and foremost, like, more so than anything, but not necessarily a specific style of music. So, you, you know, when I was a kid growing up in New York, like, loved hip-hop, loved, you, you know, uh, hardcore and, like, punk rock. Were you in a punk band or something? Wave. I mean, I was, I've been in punk bands, but, like, oh. the, you know, it was like, we came out of, like, the cyberpunk industrial scene. That's where we just happened to, like, jump off of, because a lot of that energy and a lot of that angst met the way we felt when, you know, we were, like, you know, 19 years old or whatever. Mm. But, uh, and I still love a bunch of that shit, but, like, I've always loved all these different styles of music, Mm -hmm. and if you look at all these different bands I've been in, 
uh, you know, they're not... You play so many styles of music, not only, like, the songs you play at the club, but, like, I've heard your stuff, and I've known the kind of bands you've been in, and it's like, wow, like, Craig musically is, like, all over the place. It's cool. Yeah, it's all, it's it's all cool. over the place. So, like, drum and bass was always something that I really liked, but uh, I used to think it was just, like, music... It was too mathematical. I thought it was, like, music for musicians. But, like, being okay. a musician and being, like, a math guy, like, I always... <laughs> I guess you're, like, I guess it suits me. You, you, I always really liked it. And then uh, I ended up doing the set at Burning Man at, in uh, 2012, I think it was. My friend wanted to do this drum and bass party. And was that, like, your first year there? The second. Okay, and, cool. Uh, so you were still early on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And he, he wanted to do this drum and bass party. And he was like, would you DJ? Because DJing was always like just another way to make money. It was like a side hustle that like even back in the day when I was a kid in New York, it was like, it was just another way, you know. It was one of those five or six you mentioned earlier where you're always feeding it. You're always doing it. It might not be popping off at that moment. Yeah. Well, like in New York, we would like DJ weekends and work these clubs on weekends where like, you know, weekends were not what it's all about. The week was what it was all about. So on the weekend, we'd just go and work the thing and take money from the tourists, whether that was <laughs> DJing, doing lights, working the parking lot, coat check, you, you know, whatever, it, all the different jobs that need to get done in a club. And we would do that and make money doing that so that we could then go and make art all week and run around yeah. and do, do whatever we want. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I play this set uh, for my friend, Jensen, and uh, and people lose their minds. Like, the... It's so crowded that, like, the Rangers want to, like, shut it down because there's too many bikes in the street. And meanwhile, like, something crazy like Major Lazer is, like, happening, like, really? two blocks up the street. And we have hundreds and hundreds of people losing their minds for, for, for drum and bass. So And crazy. so at the end of that project, because at that point in time, I didn't feel like I needed to have my own personal artistic project anymore. Because in the records I'm writing and in the records I'm producing and the other stuff I'm doing, yeah. I always feel like I'm getting satisfied artistically. It's not like I need to be the guy. The, you're like, I had my time in the limelight, now I'm going to be in the background. I feel like that's sometimes too. The, I, I just, it, it's all the same to me. You, you know what I mean? Because like, it's like I never did any of this with the desire to be famous or like to get okay. attention. Like, you know, it was to make a living doing it. That's, that's what I really cared about. So at the end of that, where it was so successful... I was just like, this is a project, it's called Liquid Giraffe, and I'm going to go home and write the record, like, right there on plot. Like, you know, cool. it was just like, and then I was like, okay, I guess I'll be an artist again. That was the moment, yeah. yes. Because yes. I saw, like, I was just like, whoa, this style of music that I've always really liked, uh, you, you know. Can hit. Now people are ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, I was like, well, hell yeah. And And even to that point, they wanted to hear it the way I want to hear it, which isn't the way... Everybody had been doing it because I like liquid drum and bass. Like I like. What this. is the difference? So, like you know, there's there's a lot of subgenres in all the forms of electronic music. You know, there's house, there's tech house, there's you, you know techno. There's all, all these different things. And uh, so, liquid drum and bass is you know it's kind of more soulful. It's sexier. It's less mathematical. It's uh you, you know it's it's not like as chopped up. It's not like an automatic energy. It more equates to the feel of like really good house music. Cool, There's like that. a correlation between the two. It. And mm-hmm. so, you, you know, when I started to write the record and I was playing for some people, they were like, this is amazing, but I don't even know if this is drum and bass. And I was just like, I don't care. You, cool. you know what I mean? I was just like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing and feeling inside of this, you know, these tempo parameters that, that we're working with. And fortunately, people started to really I feel like, it. yeah, you're doing really good in it and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, on like a total DIY, like, you know, put out the records I myself. like what you said about how you're like, okay, this is something I was always kind of into, but realizing that now people are ready to hear it is what motivated you to, like, start making records in it and really being active in it. Sometimes I feel that way about even, like, you know, as a comedian, like, my voice has always been super feminist and super pro-sexuality and sex-positive, whore-positive, and, like people were not ready for that. Like, I started comedy, like, five years ago, and, like, I got so much, like, backlash all the time for being, like, you know, super just, like, feminist in my messages and my jokes and, like, just the beginnings of my sex positivity, like, that threads it all together. And now, like, I'm writing a book about it. And even my posts on Facebook and Twitter and the Internet are better acknowledged and more shared. And, like, there's less hateful comments under them. And it's just, like, it's cool, like, feeling the stars align. I'm sure, like, we're a part of making the stars align and people being ready to hear something. Yeah. 
And it was also be also hearing that like not just that people were ready to hear this, but people like were ready to hear what I would want to do with this at this point in time. Yeah, like, you, you like twisting I mean? it your own that, way. Which is that's I wouldn't want to do it any other way. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I can produce sound alikes of things all day long. That's not art. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you've all, you not... always have been so true to yourself, and I feel it in every like ounce of you, from your style to your personality, like everything about you has always been like, this is me. I don't water it down for people. I'm not an asshole about it. I just don't. Yeah. And I mean, really, my style is not very far off of the way I dressed when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. you know me I mean? too. I do my like, hair and makeup I, the same I had, my, <laughs> I had my midlife crisis mohawk, and then... <laughs> it's not what it is. And, and, you have a brand new mustache that I'm a big fan of. Well, thank you. It looks super good on this podcast. And, uh, <laughs> well, you'll have to come down to Cheetahs and check it out for themselves. <laughs> but yeah, the you know, because this is basically, if you take the back off, this is exactly what my hair looked like when I was 20. Fuck yeah. Like, it was just shaved all the way around, and it was blonde or blue. But also, I think we, like, someone once said this, like, we, like, we develop all our tastes in, like, our teens, like, our late teens, early 20s, and they kind of stick for the rest of your life. Like, my favorite movie, my favorite singer, it's all shit I found when I was, like, in my teens. And, like, I generally do my makeup and hair the same way, very similarly to what I did when I was, like, 18. Like, I have grown and evolved a bunch, but yet, like, all my favorite things are still, like, set in stone from when I was 18. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's like, an old picture of me on my Facebook right now that, and I'm, like, skateboarding in San Diego, and I'm, like, 17 years old, and I, I have I on, I have on cargo shorts, <laughs> shoes that are not, they're not shell toes, but they may as well be, and <laughs> a t-shirt with no, nothing on it, it's just like this, like, no graphic, like, I have almost the same thing on, yep. you know what I mean, and it's just like, that works, and I'm comfortable, like, but you've kept the Craig alive. I think some people kill off their, like, free soul and their, like, youthful energy. They're like, we have to, have to die that off. Have to grow up. I think, you know, I think, like, growing up is amazing, but, like, I always want to be, like, have my inner child be alive and well. I want my inner child to be on the outside at all times. Yeah. You, you know? I'm and, not embarrassed and, and, about and it. And it's not like, you know, it's like, and I've seen you, I've seen you in a little dress, like, we both clean up good, and I, but, like... <laughs> The, like, I cleaned up good when I was 17, too. You, you know what I mean? Like, like I still, I got suits. You want to go formal? I'm super down. You know what I mean? Like, I'll look cute there, too. But, like, you know, just to, you know, just to not, you know, not not have to, like, conform to somebody, you know, like, like that's what's so nice about everything I do. It's not like... You know, I, I'm dressed appropriately for everything that I do, but within my yeah. own, within my own I think, own though, space. like, there's a sub, not even subconscious, but maybe a little subconscious thing where, like, I've only gotten involved in scenes where I could still maintain, like, full Casey. Like, if I want to get a weird neck tattoo that day, I'll be able to get it and not be out of work. Like, I, you know, like, and I think you're the same way. That's why I relate to you so well and get along with you. You've always just, like, involved yourself in scenes that, like, you don't have to, like, change who you are to be in those scenes. That's, like, so important to me. What does, like, freedom mean to you? What does being free mean to you? That's, that's a deep question. Uh, Very deep. The, I, I, I mean, I think it's, like, free to, you know, create what you want. Like, you, you know, I, I think that we're finding our freedom in, like, a society that's designed to take it away from you. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 100%. you know, basically, if you want, like, you, you know, you, they're railroading us into healthcare by you have to work for a corporation yeah. that provides you with healthcare. Oh, my God. I never right? even thought of it that way, but and, it's so But it's true. so true. Like, you will, the impoverished will die. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we and, don't deserve healthcare. Right. And, and so, like, you, you know, Absolutely. like, so, like, real freedom is, like, the freedom to, like, you know, be who you want to be. Like, you know, I, I think it would be free to do whatever the fuck you want to do so long as it's not hurting anybody. That's what I've always said. That's what I've always felt. That's what I've always said. You know? And that's like, you know, every every space that I'm a part of making it something, creating an intention, like wherever I go, walking down the street. Like, that is yeah. that is a constant intention. I love when someone does something free and cacophonous around me that I react to that makes me laugh, that makes me startled, that makes me interested in what they have going on. So long as they're not hurting anybody, then I'm all about it. You know, oh, I, love, I love when we talk about, like, this free energy and just, like, it coming from the inside and not being infectious because, like, I know I talk about it, like, I see it happen directly in the club. Like, money comes to me when I'm in the happy place, when I'm in the gratitude and the, like, just, like, not in fear. And, like, I noticed it yesterday. Like, I swear to God, Craig, when I'm in that free place, when I'm, like, really in the gratitude place and, like, 
I get, um, I get free things. I get discounts, like, at coffee shops, at places I go to, by men and women. I was, like, that was yesterday, and I was walking out of my car. I was just on the inside. I was, like, good. And a guy just was, like, hey, you look like Bjork, and not in a creepy way. He was just, like, being super nice, didn't ask for my you number. Do. I never even thought of that before. <laughs> really? Yeah. I get that quite a bit, and I love it. I genuinely it's win. a really strong compliment. I And she's great. And he's, yeah. like, yeah, she's one of my favorite musicians. He wasn't even trying to hit on me. He never asked my number. He was just being straight up. And it's like, you get all this love, and that's why it's just, like, so important to be free, I think. Like, it's infectious. And even if we're freeing people just a little bit, like, all of those around us, and, like, maybe it's this one train of thought that they had, or this one, like, um, stigma they felt toward a group just being, like, torn down. Like, I think we're just freeing others slowly by being free ourselves. Yeah. And, like, that, that was the thing, like, in the L.A. when I moved here, before I really started to like it, like, you know, I felt like... You know, we would get in our car bubbles and go and hang out with car bubbles, with, with like, you know, like other people that we know, and you kind of knew who was going to be there, and you like so all your expectations were met, but there was less of that random interaction that I really loved growing up in New York, and mm -hmm. then suddenly things started to change here, and you know, I think probably starting to ride my bike more had a big impact on that too because I'm riding my bike around in my neighborhood and interacting with the neighborhood more so than getting into my car, taking it out of my driveway, going to where I need to go. It's hard to connect in LA. It's a very notoriously well, lonely city. it's super freaking spread out. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, it's not like Manhattan where you have 10 million people on like this one teeny little island. True. Like, you don't have a choice but to interact. <laughs> People love that about New York, but I guess like I got like I went there for a week and I just got anxiety being around so many people. I yeah. think I was an anxious I place. Your, though, I, I remember in, your like your New York experience, but like but I know, was still in an anxious place like inside. Like I hadn't cleared up a lot of shit I needed to clear up inside, and so like every energy was overwhelming to me. And I was just like I'm a bit of an empath, and it was just like overwhelming me. But now like I crave connecting with people. That's like probably the most important thing to me. Like that, that when I feel, you know, when I feel like notes of depression and things coming on in me, it's because I don't feel like I'm connecting enough with mm -hmm. society, mm -hmm. not my friends, like with everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, you know, when I go into Seven Eleven, like you were talking about, like mm -hmm. the hookups, that's what I call what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm like, I'll within two times to any store. Me and the, the clerk know each other. That's you, you when I, I feel mean? the like best. The, is when I have those little dumb, jokey conversations with, like, people at the grocery store. Like, just, like, that's when I feel so good is when I'm just connecting. Because, like, I don't know, I was talking to a couple of uh, friends earlier today I ran into. And they're like, no, everyone is an asshole. And I've just learned to accept it. And I was, like, thinking in my head, like, no. Like, people are exactly how we treat them. The energy we come at them with. They will mirror it back to you, no matter how subconscious it is, you know? If I'm angry at the world, and I have been for long stretches of times, people cut me off in traffic, people curse me out, people look at me sideways, but I'm coming at them with this, like, inner, like, attitude, and they feel it. People feel your energy. And when you're, like, genuinely, like, in a happy place, like, I swear to God, I always get discounts on whatever I'm buying, like, by men and women. It just happens. And it's not like I'm being nice to get that. But I'm, like, making them feel acknowledged. Like, by connecting, like, they feel acknowledged, too. But it's also, like, you're participating. And you're, you, you know, the way you're living your life and the way you're existing is having a reaction. Like, you know, causing a reaction, a positive reaction uh, with everyone. Or maybe even not a positive reaction, but still a reaction. Like, you, you know, around everybody around you that's creating this connection as opposed to, like going in and staring at your shoes and not talking to anybody, you, you know, like yeah. the, you know, just to be present in your surroundings mm -hmm. and that makes other people, they're now a part of it. You, you know what I mean? Because you're present. So if they acknowledge so that, true. then they're present as well. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's like hard super, to be present But though. that's like super small level cacophony that's like really important. Like, you cool. know, it's just being aware of everyone around you and like giving somewhat of a shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yesterday you mentioned that when we were just chatting, like how like, it's the hardest thing to do, and, like, a lot of, like, this generation is lacking, but it's the most important thing to do. To feel connected is giving a fuck. Well, I, it just, it, it's fun. It's like, <laughs> life is fucking hard, like, no matter yeah. what. And so, you, you know, like, you can choose 
to just complain about it being awful the whole time and yeah. feel like you're just, you know. You're the victim. You're, you're, yeah, you're the victim. The you're, only victim you, in this whole world you're is na- you. You're nailed to a runaway ski and this is just, <laughs> this is what's happening and eventually it'll crash at the bottom and thank God it's over. Or you can sit there Which and. It's not fun. I've done that. That's not We've fun all at all. That. We've all done that. Or you can struggle to be like, let's try to turn it this way a little. Like, yeah. at least it's a hell of a, It's way more fun to give a shit. Yeah. That's the moral and of the story. And even like, you just said, like, even if you're struggling to turn the skis or whatever, it's like, in that struggle, you find strength. In that struggle, you find a laugh. In that struggle, you grow. You know? Yeah. Trust me, I've plummeted. I've been like, I'm just going to plummet. Let me just die. And, you know, that's a phase I had to go through. That's. A growing period I had to live through but I don't prefer to go back to it and be inevitable the only victim of the world like why don't I have some good laughs along the way yeah and maybe try to like make other people have some good times as well like it's not all about me it's not all about either of us at all yeah you, you know what I mean like that's that's like like that's the fundamental truth then you could just be like a player in the, in whatever play that's going around you, you know what i mean like yeah. i think that's like I, you know i learned that more you know growing up when i was you know when i was a little kid you know and i wasn't a good listener and you know i would go around all i was caring about was like doing my part to make the situations more interesting but being a great dinner party guest is about making everybody at the dinner party feel involved and making mm-hmm. them comfortable to share their stories and their experiences. And it's this whole interactive thing. That's a yeah. great dinner party is when everybody feels like they were a part of it. Not when there's one fantastic person telling great stories and everyone's cracking up. Oh, yeah. That's and not that's the always same, a little bit annoying. That's not the same dinner party. You, know, so, that, you, you, you know, know that guy that always does that? That's always annoying when I'm in like a big group and it's like someone's loud uncle. You're like, mm, just let someone else speak for a minute, you know? Yeah. The the best funniest comments always come from I feel like the person who's saying the them, side side captions. Counterpunch is the funniest. Those are the, the person muttering. Yeah. yeah, they're always the funniest one. Uh, they just they don't have all the all the cockiness. To but talk when over when everyone. you get a group of you know be it eight or you know eighty people that like you know you're actively trying to make sure everyone's involved, then the the last place in the world you thought that the funniest comment you're going to hear all weekend came from was somebody who you collectively made feel comfortable enough to say it out loud instead of just think it to themselves. Absolutely. Totally. You know what's funny uh, that goes along with this is like as a comic, like at open mics, you'll somewhat frequently see the person that's like, and it's usually a guy, um, who's like doing a set for the first time. Like you see a lot of first timers. That's what open mics are for. Um, But it's usually a guy who on stage is just bombing and bombing and everything he has to say is kind of hateful. And he goes... Hey, look, uh, my friends kept telling me I should be a comic because I'm so funny. So I'm here doing it just because my friend said I'm so funny. Well, the dude who everyone always tells, oh my God, you're so funny, you should be a comedian. That's not the person who does well at stand-up comedy. It's the dorky, awkward, somewhat introverted thinker who looks, who twists situations into some weird, funny thing in their mind. That's the geniuses of comedy. The yeah. people who end up doing well. It's not the bully who talks over everyone that, that his other bully friends tell, you should be a comedian. It's the quiet thinker. It's the weird introvert, you know? And I think that's like, I think that's like a cool part of life is like, people will always surprise you. And if you allow them to surprise you by giving them a chance. Well, like, it's that funny truth that you didn't maybe hear told that way before. You know, that, the, the boorish, like, you know, mm-hmm. douchebag, he doesn't know that truth. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> no, because he's been fed that he is king of all his whole life. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's the weird, it's the weird aside, like, that's, that's the Absolutely. funny shit. Absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, like, the bully can't write, like, a smart, witty sitcom, you know? He can maybe, like, do physical enactments on stage that make some people laugh, but... That's not the true comedy. I think, yeah, like, it's just nice, like, the best thing I found is, like, if you let people surprise you, they will. Like, I love it when I look at someone and I judge the fuck out of them and I come to the conclusion that I don't like them. I always come at them with more compassion, more open-mindedness, like, I choke back certain words and things I want to say to them because I get to know them. And the person always surprises you. Always. Always. Like, that's what I was saying, like, I ran into friends earlier who were like, I've just decided, no, I've realized everyone's an asshole and I'm just dealing with it. Um, because you've already made the decision to close off to people and not let them be nice to you. If you let people be nice to you, they will. They'll open the door for you. 
they'll be chill with you, you know? And I don't just mean, like, guys to me because they're attracted to me. I mean, like, women, and women, we're, like, taught to see each other as competition. Women will be rad to me if I'm rad to them, always. You just have to be open to it. Yeah. But it's like, you know, where there was a time where, you you know, I was, like, you, you know, stoked to create my space and be super comfortable in my skin or whatever. But, like, now that I've been comfortable in my skin for a long time, now You're, it's like... I love it. I, I love use, your comfortability. But I use a lot of that. I use that energy to try to make the other people around me feel comfortable. Absolutely. Because, you know, I don't know. I assume you know what it's like to be uncomfortable in your skin. I sure do. <laughs> like I do. I had many years of that. And, like, when you see somebody else just struggling, just, like, stuck and in their head, like... Like, I'm a very touchy person. I like, and you are too. Like, you're very good sensual touch. Like, I like rubbing people's backs, grabbing their, like, arm. Like, I, I learned that in a nonverbal comm class once that, like, even though people might, like, th- like, you weirded out by your touching them, like, there's a subconscious part of our brains that makes us trust the person more and feel more at ease. Um, not an, you know, an inappropriate touch, but like. Well, I, I mean, I really think that I, I learned that from, you know, like, the time growing up in New York when where you know there's so many people and in order to get around in a way that you're like not knocking into but like to make it as easy as possible to get through a crowd I'm super good at getting through a crowd me too but I, a lot of yeah. how a lot of how I do that is how I'm just sort of lightly touching me too and, and like you know not in some and occasionally somebody will get freaked out you know, it'll be a dude that thinks I'm touching them in a way that like I'm hitting on them and they're oh. like I'm like no I'm just trying to get over there but it's that's easier as a girl because I do that all the oh, time as a girl you do whatever to you men want and women but, and it's all and, it's and, cool. and like I think I figured that one out too because that hasn't happened to me in a while but like you know using that to to be able to maneuver through things but at mm-hmm. the same time I'm not pushing you out of the way you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's what I do at work. I, I, I touch the low of the back just very, like, softly, not creepily to men and women because people are drunk. There's a tight, small space. Like, I'm in these tall heels. I'm trying to get through, but I don't want to be rude. And just the soft touch. Like, because I knew someone I used to work with who used to do that, but not in a way that made me feel unsafe or, like, you know, creeped out. And, like, it always made me feel at ease. Like, there was something very warm about his soul. And he touched the low of your back. Like, it wasn't, like, too low on your back. But it was just, like, it was very comfortable friendliness. And it made me feel comfortable and warm with him. Yeah. And and, so, and none of that has ever been, you, you know, with me and my connection with my friends or whatever. It's just, like, it's that's a completely asexual action. You, you know what I mean? Like, the, I, and, yeah, like, it, it's, totally. it, it's, it, it's, it's a totally, totally different thing. It's hard in this life, too, because of, like, how much, like you said, like, just sexuality is, like, associated with touch but like I think touch is so healing which is why like we all pay so much money to get massages or like or like when the hairstylist like rubs your head or whatever like touch is so healing and so vital and like you know even when I give lap dances I always like think that I'm giving like because I give a bit of myself and my sensuality to my lap dances and oftentimes customers will acknowledge that and be like, wow, these are really good. I'm like, well, you know, like I, I think of them as a bit therapeutic or I like I love dancing and I love sharing energy with people, you know, like and that's not everyone's left in. Some girls are just going to like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But I just have always felt so much sensuality and healing through touch that I try to add that into like my rapport at the strip club. And like, I don't know, I, I like to make other people feel at ease and feel like I do think it's therapeutic. Like, I feel like I give a lot of my, like, very peaceful energy to them, which is why I'm able to sell a lot of lap dances. They're not just, like, let me hop up and down on your lap aggressively. But, like, even if we take it to the club, because it's like, you know how, uh, you you know, when a new girl gets hired at the club, I'm not automatically nice because we have a team. We do this really well. You're new. If you want to be a part of this, figure it out. At the same time, I'm not cutting you in line. I'm going to put you on stage. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a good announcement. I'll play good music. I got you. But, like, the, the, you know, it's like you're basically, you can earn your rank. And at that from there, you can choose your engagement. The girl that wants a hug when she comes in, it's because she's decided through time that's what she wants. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, I'd be fine if none of us hugged. You know what I mean? Last mm-hmm. night, you're the only person I gave a hug. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was a weird vibe last No, night. but I'm just saying in general, there are girls there that, like, you know, I love when they're there and it's great. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't need to hug them on the way in or the way out. Like, you know what I mean? It's about making the girls feel as comfortable as possible to make the show great and to make them feel like they're in a really good place. Yeah. Because I don't need anything cheap from anybody there. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm there to do work. I'm not there. It's like, you know, I've I said... I feel like it's harder for you to, like... Because you have to memorize all the new girls' names. And there's always a new girl. You know, it's a revolving door. That's how the industry works. 
And like, I always like admire how you, you can like remember their names and who they are, but I see why you don't de like, you're not automatically deeply engaging with any of the new girls. Cause it's like, it's so many new faces all the time. I don't learn someone's name until they've been working there a month. It's not so much, I, I don't like, I don't think I ever, I, I, I've looked back on it and now I realize that there's, there's a reason that I do it. And it could be like the cutest girl in the world. Like, and, yeah. and, and, and like, you know, like, and you know, she's sitting there doing what a smart, cute girl would do is like, you know, try to like flirt with the people that I'm working with and make it yeah. work. And it's just to shut that down. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're new. What can I do for you? You, you know what I mean? It's just like, cause that's not going to get you ahead here. So stop. Yeah, you know it's really I mean? interesting. Like, I yeah. always see the new girls trying to flirt with the DJ. Is that a thing? Like, why does that always happen, Craig? What is that? Because you want, uh, you, you know, you want to feel like you have a real in. You know, you'll hear yeah. a girl well, say... Well, the other... There's no. been other DJs who... And I've heard at other clubs as well who are very down with dating and boning the girls. Yeah. But you're not in... You're not that lifestyle. No, there's plenty of girls in the world. Yeah. I don't need a shit And I like how you're so professional there. It's you <laughs> always are professional yeah. there. No, I really, really... It means a lot. That's why I've always... Pretty much like work your nights. You're yeah. professional. You're not like trying to come up on the girls like other DJs. You know, I'll say hypothetically have. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Like you know, everyone can like you know again. Like you know, if 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 they were handling that in a situation that's not hurting anyone and not making anyone feel uncomfortable, rock on, more power to you. That's just not what I'm there for. I'm there to put on a show and, and to make some dollars. You, you know what I mean? Like that. That that's that's what that is. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So we'll just uh, wrap things up. Like, tell me what kinds of upcoming events you have. I know that's, it's almost been an hour. Yeah, you and I could, like we could probably just talk for like seven. I know because we talk for like six hours of work anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, like we you do a lot of park parties. I'm gonna go to go to one that you're working this Sunday. Um, and park parties. He has like all these rad burners. I went to one a long time ago, and there's like bit hula hoopers, like fire spinners. Like you have this whole like circus realm of friends that I love so much. I, yeah, I think it has like, you know, like coming from Burning Man and trying to make Burning Man like y your whole life, right? So a park party here in LA where we have all the space and where we have parks, well, they'll actually let us get away with bringing a generator, building a legitimate big sound playing system. Playing music. Playing music from yeah. like, you know, the collection of like the best, you know, the best underground DJs in, in LA so cool. and doing it for free, doing it as a gift just so we could experience this day in the park yeah. together. And to me, like, yeah, there's lots of cool speakeasy things and there's lots of cool warehouse things and I love all of it. But my favorite thing in all of Los Angeles is the park party. And we get to go out in the sun and like, you know, I live, I live in the underworld. The sun does not touch my skin often, but like, it feels so good when I get to go outside it feels and listen so to live good. music or like live DJs. And it's like, that's my natural high these days is like, I feel like, uh, my boyfriend and I went to the Greek theater for um, a show the other week and I was like, all I could think of was like, I'm having like a full body high, like the sunset, the live music, like that is my full body orgasm right there. But yeah, if, I mean, if you're looking to experience what I'm talking about, these park parties, like Ari Love, like, uh, LA Hoopers, uh, Blackbird Bus, uh, Timeless, uh, Timeless D&B, uh, Big Booty Bass, like, you, you know, all these, all these different crews are throwing really amazing family-based, all-ages park parties where people can still, you, you know, like, have a fantastic time. It's not like, you, you know, like, but you're conscious of the fact that you're in a park and you're out around all, or, or these people, and the intention of these parties is to make everyone's day in the park better, not just the people mm -hmm. who came specifically oh, cool. for the party. Yeah. Like, you want to have a positive effect on the entire park. Because what will happen so often is people come up and they're like, they're like, what the hell is this? But they saw these people having this great time, oh. having picnic, picnics, yeah. cooking, you know, like cooking food, hanging out, having this great time, hula hooping, doing it, like all this stuff. And they come over and they come over with their kids and they're like, what is this? And we're like, this is Ellie Hooper's. This is Relove. This is, so cool. you know. I can't then, imagine just going to the park. You're like, I'm just getting a little sun on my skin. And then there's like a party. I love it. Oh, yeah. and what, tell us quickly, um, what are your upcoming shows and festivals and where can we find you online? Uh, I mean, it, it, so liquiddraft.life is like sort of like that's the portal to all the other things I have going on, like all my social media where you can get cool. a bunch of my uh, original music, remixes, cool. 
live DJ sets and also know where, you, you know, all like, like my shows are all listed on the tour section there. And then it's listed on my SoundCloud that you can find from there on my Facebook. Like it, it all just trees off of that uh, liquidgiraffe.life. And then it depends on when this gets aired because like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I'm playing tonight at a party called Bogus that by the time you hear this will have already happened. Well, check out and his it's, Instagram. It's... <laughs> like Craig is always posting what's, what's up, what's going to be going on. Um, yeah. So what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Instagram is liquid giraffe, uh, uh, liquid underscore giraffe. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, like my friend, uh, my friend, Rachel Clark, who's throwing the Bogus party tonight, she said she was talking about being a, a real person of the underground and where things were just all word of mouth and she is just like how do you handle you, you know doing this in a public forum and I was like I just kind of want to be a conduit of good times I love like, when you say that I, I, that I, is the liquid draft logo motto right there because I'm not just promoting my own parties or my own music like you know if I'm going to a park party that's not my party at all but I know it's going to be good times I let my friends know about it mm -hmm. to be like, this is going to be good times. You want good times? Go over here. So, you, you know, it's like, I think that's where I feel better about self-promotion is that I'm actually promoting a lot of things I have nothing to do with besides the fact that I support the hell out of these people. That's why I love you. You're a giver. And you've given so much to me in all of your, all of our wise talks, our therapy sessions over my um, stripper yoga when we go to work. <laughs> okay. I love you, Craig. And this was the I Freak Show you, podcast. Mwah. Bye.